2014, I was becoming more aware of and stopping to ask the question, you know, what is her dream? What is her passion? What is her calling? What is her purpose? And just starting to peel back the layers and allowing myself to go there and to kind of sit with that question. Um, but the conviction was like, she's been supporting me ever since we met, ever since we met in high school, right? She's been my number one champion. Um, and so I was starting to ask the question, what does it look like for me to radically support her? Okay, let's do this. This is Jeff. And I'm Andre. Are you ready? I'm ready. Love or work. Is anyone listening? No, don't put that on the air. These two people are really, really funny. This one made me cry. World Series champion. Around the entire world. NBA all-star. We hope you love this interview as much as we did. Love or work. Welcome to the Love or Work podcast. This is Jeff. Oh my gosh. And I'm Andre. This is a very energetic podcast today. <laughs> You've got to stop. This is my announcer voice. It's the most annoying voice. Sorry. Welcome, everybody. Oh. And we are so glad you're here listening with us today. This is kind of fun. Sometimes when we talk at home, you oftentimes like to do other things. <laughs> But when I talk to you, I like to look you in the eyes. And we are actually staring in each other's you eyes right now. You are literally right looking to my eyes right now. What do you see? They're blue. You're crossing them. <laughs> <laughs> I just think sometimes when we look into each other's eyes, it reminds us. It reminds me how much I love you. What about you? are you today? Well, you got nothing? Jeff, I love you. You're just going to you're going to laugh me you off and you're beautiful oh. and you're handsome. I'm beautiful. You're handsome. You, oh How's that? You <laughs> just you're just you're dialing in past thoughts. Okay, let's talk about today. Oh my goodness. We have a great great couple today. This is Charlena and Roberto Ortiz. I just use my Latina voice. Your Latin roots right there. <laughs> um, but Charlena and Roberto Ortiz, there you go. There's the American birch way to do it. They are the founders. Well, Charlena is the founder of Grit and Virtue. Yes. And Roberto also works with them and is the design tech strategy guy. And Grit and Virtue is a personal development company for modern day women. Mm. All the ladies, this is for you. Yes. And uh, I think it's funny that he works for that company. Yes. We dive into that, don't we? We totally do. Uh, they're so awesome and very vulnerable. So what should we be listening for? Well, actually today it's going to be a little different. I'm going to have you listen for three questions. Oh, The good. first question is a purpose question. These are things that are really practical. They have some really practical things. First is a purpose question. They ask the question, how are people's lives different when they cross your path? She's going to explain that for you. The second question to listen to is a partner question. So you have a purpose question. You have a partner question. Oh, boy. The part, I'm, I'm being very, uh, what is it, alliteration? Yes. Okay. The first question was a purpose question. The second question is a partner question. I thought this was really cool. He asked the question, what is her purpose and what would it look like? to encourage her in that purpose, which really transformed their whole story. And then the third question is a question to not ask. A question to not ask. And they said, the question is, let me know how I can help. 
This is related to a very personal story of theirs that they're going to share with us. Um, and just this trajectory of, um, how would you explain it? Well, just her journey with miscarriages and infertility. Yeah. And so um, I think that is a hard question to answer yeah. when you're grieving. So Yeah. And so there might be some listeners say that this is something you're really going through right now. And this is, I think you're going to be really encouraged to hear a very personal story. Yes. And so we do want to warn you, I guess they would call this a trigger warning. Potentially. Yeah. That if you are grieving or having, um, you know, just difficulties with miscarriages and infertility, that is what we are going to dive into a lot with them. Yeah. One of the things that's great about it though, is that you can share this with friends. They can understand what you're going through. Yeah. So here we are. Let's listen to Charlena and Roberto Ortiz. It started out in a 10th grade geometry yeah. class. Geometry class. <laughs> Mrs. Whoa. Barnes. She was the only teacher probably in the entire school that assigned seats. Right. <laughs> so just to give some context. So we grew up in Philadelphia, inner city Philly, uh, super rough area. You have to go through metal detectors to get into your high school. So that just paints the picture of, of what that was. And so in high school... Um, if there were, if there was one girl that was known as the church girl, it would be Shirley. Like she was like, that was her reputation. And I knew it. And Roberto's reputation was like Mr. Cool Guy. Like well, most crushed on type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> so when we got into class, um, I got there late with my, my friend Billy and Mrs. Barnes said, all right, Roberto, you're sitting there. And I looked and I knew it was Charlena. I didn't know her name at the time, but I knew that she was a church girl. And I leaned over to my buddy and I said, I'm screwed. I, I'm going to hear about Jesus every every class. I'm going to be, you know, going to church. I don't know what's going to come out of this. And surely enough, that's what's, that was her motto. That was like, her mission. That was her mission. <laughs> and so every class, we would start having this dialogue and she would ask me questions about my faith and, and church and do I have a Bible? And I was lying my way through the entire conversation. Like, of course, yeah, of course I have a Bible. Of course I go to church. And, but that just developed into a friendship, actually. And so that's that's where we met. And we were friends for probably a good year. Yeah, almost before, two years. Two years before we started dating in high school. And once we started dating, um, the rest was history. Like, mm. we really connected um, and encouraged each other. Like, just in our studies. And so both of us are the first to go to college and graduate from college on both sides of the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that was a really big deal for both of us to influence one another. um, Well, and yeah, from there, it's just been, that's how we got started. Yeah. So y'all made it through college, through all of that and stayed together, high school sweethearts. That's That's right. That's right. No breaking up. No breaking, no, up. Breaking up. No. no breaking up. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I was ready to get married at 18. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I had was, to wait a couple more years. Yeah. I knew because I used to pray. <laughs> okay. There's this assessment. I don't know if you heard of it. It's called the um, Decision Style Assessment by a book from Yes or No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just dropped that okay, on that, me. I, appreciate that. I was okay. like, man, I got to write this one down. I'm like, wait, she's talking about my- <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, we have to plug that because we, that was, I mean, way fast forward. That was fast forward. when I 
when we actually learned about the assessment. Yeah. But looking back, like that's how I always made Her decisions. decisions. Yeah. It's like for me, it's spiritually guided. Hmm. And so, like in my relationship with Roberto, like I prayed about, Lord, is this the guy for me? Like, you know, and then I, I just felt like I had confirmation. And so, like 18, I was ready. But he's, wow. we're super young, yeah. right? And so it's like, okay, that's really not going to happen, yeah. you know, right away. Um, and so we had to wait a few years. Yeah. So we grew up a little bit. No, for sure. And Jeff, one thing about that, when she's, I mean, we're all about personal development and she's a coach. And so she's like all about assessments and learning new things. And when she brought that to my attention in terms of like different ways of making decisions and how we're wired differently, I was like, I was all about it. And so I leaned on the story side and I forget which, which one of them, what is it? Story guide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was, it just, it brought so much insight to like, oh, of course that makes sense. That's why I make some crazy decisions because it's about the story. It doesn't matter. Anything else doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, that's, that played a role in in our relationship. Uh, Yeah. That's encouraging. Thanks for sharing that. Look at that. So they read your book. They did. You, you well, guys read it and my mom two read it. The, of the two four. <laughs> His mom and me. I'm just kidding. Um, and us. So obviously you guys um lead this incredible uh kind of organization and really focused on women and purpose. Uh, I'd love to hear how did this become part of your story? So my background is in coaching. Um when I graduated high school, just like anybody else, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I went to college and I changed my major like four or five times, right? Like a girl changed her shoes. It's like, you know, I tried different things out. Um, I got some work experience in, in ministry um, in the nonprofit sector. Um, I worked with a career counselor to do like something called informational interviews where you interview different professionals in the field to see what it's like a day in the life in their, in their shoes. Um, and so I went through this entire like exploration of my career and then also like, okay, what is it that I'm great to do or what's my purpose? And I know as a young woman, like that was like my main focus. Um, one of the things that actually encouraged me to go after like the more, the deeper versus just a job was seeing Roberto and his purpose um, as a designer. Um, And he can share more about his story um, later. Um, But as a result of me working with a career counselor, which is very similar to a career coach and the things that they help you through, I discovered um, the world of coaching. And this is like life coaching, um, career coaching. And I focused on career coaching for young professionals right after I graduated high school. I mean, I graduated college. Um, and then when I went into training uh, for coaching, um, it was probably a year later that we relocated from Philadelphia to San Francisco Bay Area. And so that was when I actually launched my coaching practice for the first time. Um, and that's when I help women um, just figure out how do you integrate like your purpose with your work and find a marketplace opportunity that really encompasses the both of them, the both of those things and the things that you value, how you integrate your faith with your work and what does it actually look like? How do you actually really find fulfillment in what you do? Um, and so after working with um, women in the Bay Area, um, I really start to see some of the like patterns that 
was reoccurring of like the mm-hmm. challenges and also what I was facing as a first time business owner. I was like, okay, this is kind of difficult to like keep persevering to figuring out like all the business side of things. And I thought, well, if it's this hard for me from like a community and isolation perspective, imagine like a woman in Tennessee, like who doesn't have the network like you can have in the Silicon Valley. Sure. And then I started to really see the stirring of women with like their identity and like how it connects with their work. And all these things begin to grow up. And so after a couple of years of launching um, my coaching practice and working with clients one-on-one, um, it, I believe it was 2014 when Roberto and I started saying, okay, is there more to just working one-on-one with women? Like, is it a way to actually scale what you do? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I just have to jump in. So at the time, I'm like heads down in Silicon Valley, like... You, I mean, you guys know what that's like. It's, it's go, 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 hustle, hustle, hustle. And I love working, and it's it's almost to the default. But every time I would come home and catch up with Charlena, it would be she would be lit up every time she had a coaching call with someone, right? And she would tell me, "Hey, yep, I'm helping someone work through this." And and this one customer just landed a job, and she's finding fulfillment and transitioning from motherhood back into the workforce and vice versa. And so that's what started the conversation of what does it look like to scale what she does one-on-one? Because if that's happening there, that energy is happening there, that transformation is happening there. What does it look like to just scale that to greater, I mean, to reach more people? And so that's what sort of started planting the seeds of what became grit and virtue uh, today. That was the genesis of it there. And then it was in that year where, so Santa Cruz is a place where I love to go to retreat and like find rest. And like, I call it my prayer mountain. Um, and when I went there, there was actually like just a download that I just started getting a glimpse of what this new vision was. And it took a full year of like pulling the pieces together of like, what actually could it be? And it was the fall of that year where it's like, okay, the name came together the mission statement came together and high level of like the vision then, um, came together. And so that was just like the whole genesis of bringing, you know, like what God has brought me through, through coaching um, into Grit and Virtue. And so now you have this kind of digital community uh, and I'm sure like this connection of community all over the place, um, thousands of, of women connecting with it. So if, if there was someone listening today that was like, man, I wish I wish I knew my purpose, you know, and how, how, what would be the first couple of questions that you would process with that um, specifically woman that might be listening? It could be a man too, but I know you, you give a lot of coaching to women in this that are wrestling through this on a, on a personal level today. First, I would say it's like let go of the weight that that question holds because it feels like it holds a lot of weight and a lot of pressure. Um, and then understanding that, we were that you're created uniquely with your life experiences, with the skills that you have and the passions that you have. And how does, how that formulate, how that um, actually show up through your work can be different. Right. And so understanding, like one question that I love is how are people lives different when they cross your path? 
Hmm. Like, do you bring joy? Do you bring them breakthrough? Do you help them have um, a realization of like who they are or what their dreams are? And so how are people lives different when they cross your path? And so for me, um, I love challenging people to go after them more. I love to push them to go after their dreams. I'm a visionary. And so if you don't have a vision, but when you cross my path, I'll give you a vision <laughs> for you <laughs> because I can see it for you. Um, and so that's a part of my, pur- my purpose. But how it unfolds can be very different. It can unfold with me encouraging women through writing weekly to thousands of women. It can unfold um, by me speaking one-on-one at a coffee shop with a woman. It can unfold through coaching. It can unfold through many different avenues of work. But the core of the purpose, I believe, lies in how are you helping people become better as a result of them um, being engaged in your presence. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think I have to go back because you were, when we left the story, you were working in Silicon Valley. Hang on, did Valley. I go too fast? You just jumped to purpose, which is you. You're what a visionary. That? I see your I'm connection a- here. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm still back at, he's in Silicon Valley. I mean, you're moving a little slow, but. Working I, I, really a, hard, <laughs> obviously making the money while <laughs> this vision is coming to fruition. So yeah. then basically you quit your job and decided to work together or how, how, how did that happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question. Um, so I've been in tech and product development design, like, my whole life, right? Started at, as a teenager, saved up enough money, bought my first computer, taught myself how to code and develop and just fell in love with it, right? Um, and so coming out of high school, I went on to, to work at Lockheed Martin right out of high school, spent 10 years there. And then when we moved from California to the Silicon Valley, I was working at Google at the time. And, you know, working there and then eventually... Um, other startups and such, we, it was a point where in 2014, I started to get this, a little bit of a conviction, a little bit of a pause, um, which was really interesting in terms of like, so Charlene and I, we practice a lot of self-awareness and being self-aware of, of where we are, the decisions we're making, how we're wired, what brings us life, what depletes us. You know, she's, She's introverted majority of the times. I'm extroverted majority of the times. And so really becoming self-aware of, of all these things. But in that season, in 2014, I was becoming more aware of and stopping to ask the question, you know, what is her dream? What is her passion? What is her calling? What is her purpose? And just starting to peel back the layers and allowing myself to go there and to kind of sit with that question. Um, but the conviction was like, she's been supporting me ever since we met, ever since we met in high school, right? She's been my number one champion. Um, and so I was starting to ask the question, what does it look like for me to radically support her? Like, what does that look like? And what story, going back to decision-making, what story is a better story? Like, what's a radical story? Like, the, the predictable path felt too safe for me. And it's so funny because even, you know, you're, you're talking to uh, um, a Puerto Rican kid that was raised by a single mother, a family of five, lost my dad when I was nine. Like you would probably think like you have a good job, you stay in that job till you retire and then you're good. You made it, quote unquote. 
And I've always challenged that norm of like, oh, you're in a spot, it's safe. But what story is that? You know, like what story am I actually looking out? And even when I went to Google, I felt, I mean, I came home and don't get me wrong, Google is an amazing place. I mean, but I was scared, like two months into it, I was scared that this would be my story, that that would be my thing because it was so good that, that I would be retiring there. Fast forward, I'm 65 and I'm a Googler for life. And was that it? Is that it? Is, is it to, to work at a high profile company and to have some tech, you know, to make some technological advances? Yeah, that's, that could be it for a lot of people. But for me, and again, going back to self-awareness, it wasn't a big enough story. Mm-hmm. And so in 2014, seeing what, what God was doing in her heart and seeing the opportunity in the market and seeing the gap, I started leaning in heavily and asking, how can I show up for her? Which led me to, to leave my gigs and walk with her for the season. And we were big on seasons as well. And the idea of like, okay, we've been running quote unquote my race for a long season. Now, what does it look like for me to sprint in her race? And maybe in the next few years, the seasons have changed and I'll be back doing my own thing and I'll have to rely on her again. But we go back and forth in terms of the seasons of supporting each other um, in different areas. And right now, that happens to be work. That's really beautiful. I um, So I know there's people listening, hearing that, and there's probably like the wife is like kind of nudging, nudging the person, the husband. They're like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? And then the husband's like, well, but I got this, like, I support the family. I'm making the money. I'm yeah. ca- I mean, that's the logistical part of it. That's the, that's the risky part, right? Yeah. Was that no, part so of the tension you, for you guys? Oh, absolutely. And it, we, we talk about that, um, which goes back to like stewardship of your resources, I feel is a big part of like the, the ability for us to go work on what we feel is missional, what we feel is purposeful, what we feel is radical has become more practical and realistic because of the stewardship of resources. Mm. Right. Like that means that's that's being a better steward with what you have. Yeah. So in the beginning, like we focused on like when we relocated to the Bay Area, we focused on paying off all of our student loans. Like how do we get out of debt as much as possible? Then we focus on saving. Like how do we build up the savings and then diversifying like our investments so that in our thirties we can have the option to take risks like we're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because that's a big question, Jeff, right? And and one of those things where you think about opportunity cost, right? As Mm -hmm. as quote unquote, uh, the head of the household or quote unquote, like the provider. Um, And, you know, and what we, as men too, is one of those things that we tend to embrace. Like I have to make sure that things, our foundation is good. Our finances are good. and, And I take that responsibility. But going back to making those early sacrifices and early financial decisions that allow us some more margin to quote unquote play. And that means really work um, on the things that we want to work on um, has been a true game changer for us. Right. Um, That's, that's so interesting. Like the things you said, like there's these things built within us sometimes as men that we think that we're supposed to be providers. I remember Andre and I had these like long conversations where this was how I 
this is what I thought my role was supposed to be. And in turn, Andre's like, when did I ever say that to you? When, when, when did you think that that was your only role in this relationship? When, when, you know, all this. And I was like, well, I don't know. Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? And she was like, no, I didn't tell you that's what you need. You, <laughs> we had these, I remember there was a moment in our relationship where it was like, no, that's not what a partnership is. Like we're in this together and there's like how you guys were talking about there's seasons where she pushed me and my purpose and there's seasons where I pushed her and her purpose and supported each other in both of those things. So that's really, it's really cool to hear your story in the midst of this. So I would love to hear a little Roberto, how is it working for a woman's company? Are you like the only man? I mean, are you just estrogen surrounded? Estrogen all the time. And it's so interesting because, um, you know, so I lead tech um, design and I do a lot of strategy, obviously, but it's one of those things like just jump, put my designer hat on. Like, how do you design? Like, you're a man, you've been a man all your life, <laughs> <laughs> and you're designing for a woman's brand, right? It's really intimidating to think, like, am I going to be in tune? Is the brand really going to resonate with, with women? And I've always questioned that. And now I don't question it anymore, but it took a couple of years of kind of working through that. Um, and if you look at the brand, it's, it leans more on the masculine side, more neutral, you know, leveraging strong photography and editorial work. And so it wasn't so much, I didn't even have to jump into the lane of, of introducing flowery things or pink things. or Like Charlena kept me away from all of that. She's like, no, that doesn't resonate with who we are, who we're trying to be. I mean, the company is called Grit and Virtue. Like, like just run with it. And she, so she gave me the freedom to do that. And so it's been, it's been interesting, but kind of a layer deeper, taking my designer hat off and just like coming and aligning to a mission that you can run with and believe in like authentically, I think is, 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 is different, right? Like if she were, if her calling and mission was to make costumes for poodles, I'm probably not going to be the guy, right? <laughs> to kind of run and quit my job and run with her. But if her calling is in alignment with me in terms of at my core, like we have a mutual alignment, then I can run that race, right? Mm-hmm. And if that alignment, which it is the alignment of virtue, is to improve the lives of women uh, holistically, I can sign up for that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where I'm at. Hmm. I like that. I love mutual alignment. I'm going to keep that in my little ticker here and pull that out on you. I'll pull it out on me. I love it. Honey, are we mutually aligned <laughs> oh, right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, don't, listen, don't give her too much material. I'm just saying. I'm okay. writing notes. Do you see my pen? I got notes right here. Oh, so, okay, working together. Tell me the struggles. Tell me the tension points. How have things been going with this? I mean, obviously you are two different areas. You know, you kind of divide that out, right, with tech and design and you more vision, leadership, founder. Um, But where's the tension points with this? I would say one of the tension points is when we are in like a season of launching or like go, go, go. For example, we launched um, our first physical product um, last holiday season in November, which is a journal collection. Um, and 
it took, it takes a lot of work to actually launch something, right? Like it's a whole nother level of capacity that you have to show up with. Um, and there's a lot of details in the story, but um, overall, it's like after we experience this push of launching, my tendencies as an introvert is like, okay, lock me in the closet, lock me in the room, because I just need to like recover. recover, you know, refuel, like bounce back on my own. And Roberto's tendency is like, okay, let's party, like we just launched, let's like, like these people. Christmas is here, and so hold on, hold on. Let's talk about Enneagram. So <laughs> I'm a okay. I'm a number seven, and she's a number nine. And okay. so, like that paints another picture, right? Just mm-hmm. kind of adding context. Yes. So we had to learn, um, and we've been learning it, but um, it really intensified uh, when we launched the journal collection. That we are completely we we refuel completely different. Mm-hmm. We have to really aware of what that looks like uh, because he didn't get it right away no. like I'm like my soul is fatigued I don't know what I need like I, I slept in you know for a day but still like I don't know what's going on and I'm like alright sleep in another day and then we can party on the third day yeah. <laughs> she's like still no still not enough still no. we get friends you know like wanting to stay with us and like usually I'm like our house is for hosting like, sure, like, let's do that. Let's welcome people. But I just felt like how I felt like I couldn't survive, like, hosting a full family over the holiday season, you know, yeah. after launch. just didn't get it. Yeah. He didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I put Vaughn is so that's the default. And so that's the interesting thing in terms of like understanding personality types, not only in marriage, but also in work, which is really, I mean, when those two things overlap, the complexities of that is just multiplied, right? And you guys can testify to that. But the, like, understanding, like, what my wife needs to refuel, understanding that, like, let's let's say, like, when we're cranking the office, I know what she's going through in her personal life because there is, there are no walls, right, Right. within our personal life. It's all just a big melting pot. And so it's different for me, like, if I'm, working in Silicon Valley or any tech company, I'm going in and I'm meeting with Ashley and she's a designer. I have no idea what she's going through in her personal life. Right? Right. I have no idea that she may have lost someone or going through a divorce or break. Like, right? those, are, those are all personal things. Um, and so we, we would approach a meeting and get, get busy, get, get to business and kind of like objectively look at progress. When you work with your wife, that's, that just changes completely because now you have to be sensitive to how she's doing, how she's actually doing. And how does that then change uh, some priorities for that day? How does that change like the sprint cycle? How does that change her refueling because personality types? And then how do I make sure that I give her that space? Right. And so we've been able to, over the years, work through that. And, and, and I, and I feel we're still learning, right? I mean, obviously we're 10 years into our marriage and we're still learning, but from a work perspective, the challenge of understanding ourselves and what we need to work well, that's, that's a tension point that we're getting better at. And it wasn't until like me trying to figure out, well, what's going on with myself? Like, why am I so fatigued? Like I was confused as well. Um, 
and I was open about that. Like I'm going through this. Um, I'm sorry, but I don't know why, you know, I'm fatigued. And so I have to figure this out as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't the like tears started coming out and I started breaking down. And I'm like, okay, this something is, is really going on. <laughs> Okay. When serious. he see the tears coming, he's like, "Oh, okay. I need to back up a yeah. little bit." And like, whatever you need, mm-hmm. here's the space. Yep. Um, and so that was a good season of us really learning our capacity after a big push. Yeah. So you currently you do not have children, is that right? Well, we have. I would say two in heaven, Genesis okay. and Hope, and one baby girl on the way. Yeah. Oh. So fun. So fun. And so you've had, uh, it's my understanding you've had kind of like a journey trying with pregnancy. Is that right? That's been part of your story. How Mm -hmm. has that affected your marriage? How have you, tell us a little bit of how you guys have been working through that. How much time do we have? (laughs) You know, it's I think been, it's definitely something just a lot of people don't talk about. I feel like it's this silent suffering that a lot of women and partners go through. And yeah, so if, and, if there's anything you can share that people could learn from, I think people, I think it would help. Took that, took that, you know, that question. I think to preface that and going back to what you're saying is it's not talked about. Like you don't know, you know, you hear about that. You don't know what you don't know until you're in it. Right. And then when you're in it, you're like, Holy crap. Like, why didn't we hear about this before? Yeah. Like when you're in the family, you're like, and it's so interesting because we're, you know, in society nowadays, a lot of us, I mean, if you compare it to past generations, we're very privileged to, to say, I'm going to wait to this date and start having a family. Right. right? We're exactly. so pers- but we don't understand all the things that go into that, right? And and so starting, deciding to start a family and then struggling for years, um, it took a toll. And it it was a realization to the fact that this is not talked about and we want to do a better job of talking about it and openly talking about it. And, and kind of tear down those walls of like, why is it such a taboo thing that that a couple is going through this when they should be able to in community process that and struggle through that and breathe through that. But Charlena has a much deeper perspective. Yeah. So I would say um, it was six years in that we decided, okay, let's start a family. Little did we know how long it will actually take, right? Five years later, we're pregnant with a healthy baby girl that's due October this fall. Um, but the journey in between, yeah. like, I couldn't, like, prepare for it. Um, and the first time that I experienced a miscarriage, it was a few months actually after we launched um, Britain Virtue to the world. Um, and the balance of carrying something new, a mission, and then experiencing um, mountaintop of like we're pregnant, you know, like I did the whole surprise thing on Roberto's birthday because I found out like two days before. Um, and so we we're like, okay, we're having this baby first time around. Like we're excited. We're planning on how do we tell our family? Um, and we're really close with our family back at home on the East Coast. And to be hit with the news that 
your pregnancy is that viable and your baby, um, and you want to lose your baby through miscarriage. Let me like that wrecked me, like mm-hmm. to the point that I never been wrecked before, and it caused me to question my faith. Um, it caused me to um, deal with so many different emotions that I had no idea that could actually rise up from inside of me. Mm. And that, so after experience that the first miscarriage, like it was a struggle. I had, I questioned my faith. I had no idea how, how do you actually grieve? I didn't know the process of grieving. I didn't know that when uh, you see another woman with uh, a pregnant belly or with a stroller, that that can just trigger an entire waterfall of emotions. Um, when you attend your friend's baby shower, like what can happen? I had no idea what to expect. So everything was just new and it was just like hitting me left and right. Um, and so I felt really like, like as if I was drowning in that first year of even starting Britain Virtue with like this, this loss that we're experiencing. And I would say it took me a full two years to really close that chapter on grief with like trying to figure it out of like, how do I even process this? How do I even pray? How do I continue to worship um, in the midst of this loss? Hmm. And it was interesting because um, before I got pregnant for the second time, I went to a retreat um, here in Colorado and God gave me this promise, like this official promise to like, you're going to conceive. And so I held on to that. And don't you know, a month later we conceived but unfortunately, that that ended in a loss and another miscarriage. Mm. And so right there, my mind is confused of like, I have this promise, I conceive, but it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and this time around, I knew like in 2017, I had a completely different perspective on the journey because I've, I've been experienced with it. So I had to intentionally choose to breathe well. That was my, my desire was to grieve well. Um, and it was much harder, like the process of miscarriage. Women have different types of miscarriages and, you know, seeing the baby heartbeat and different, you know, weeks. And this time it felt much harder because of the experience that we had with our child this time. Um, and so the loss felt even heavier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my desire was not to be taken out by this because it's something that I feel that can really take someone out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women fake fine and like they put up what they have to put up because they don't know how to process it or sure. the community around them don't know how to uh, show up for them. And so it's really hard to grieve well when you don't have the support that you need it to, um, that you need to actually help you through it all. Um, and so for me, it's like, I can't go another two years with like the weight and the ache of it all. Um, And so I was very intentional about, okay, I'm going to invite my community in Mm. and share with them like the pain. Like I'm angry right now. Mm. I don't know what to do with this anger, Mm. but I'm angry. The questions of, with God being really real with him, there was one question that just like shook me, like 
me like as a as a whole health healthy Charlene. But when I was in my grief, it was real, which was how do you expect me to work on a mission when I'm waiting for my child to be snatched from me? Mm-hmm. So you have to go through that miscarriage of waiting for your child to, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. That was the hardest question that I had to ask. Mm-hmm. And it was actually in that week of waiting for the miscarriage to pass that like I felt my lowest and like I knew, you know, a pre-decision was I want to grieve well, but when you're in the midst of it, you're like, you're, you're face to face with it. So you don't mm-hmm. know how you're actually going to come out of it. Mm-hmm. And I remember like that night talking with Roberto, sharing like my most inner thoughts with him and speaking out loud. Like, I really don't know how I'll be able to bounce back. from mm-hmm. this. It's like this this is some harsh shit, you know, like I really don't like how I'm supposed to bounce back from this. Mm. And there was a moment where it's like, I could not find the strength from within myself Mm. to say, okay, I'm going to do this for me. Mm. This is a clear moment of like me experiencing, uh, finding strength from down within because of love for someone else. And that someone else was for my husband. Mm. And it was in that moment where I felt like he deserves a wife that is present. You know, he deserves a wife that is able to fight through this so that I can be there for him. Mm. So that I am not passive or just overwhelmed with anxiety or grief that I can't operate. Mm. He deserves a wife that is that that is hopeful. Mm. And so it was the love that we have that actually like pulled me out of the pit that I was in. Hey, I want to ask a question related to this while you catch your breath too, for just a second. Um, Roberto, (laughs) this is for either one of you, but like you mentioned something just a second ago about like um, your friends not knowing how, how to be there with you and you invited them in. But if there is someone listening that is wrestling that is in in that right now what tips would you give to their community about how to love that that couple that is so close to them but they don't know what to say or they don't know what to do or how i'm curious what would you have wanted in the midst of this so a couple of things is the best thing that you can do is just show up not say nothing. like hmm. bring a meal i have one friend who i love bethany she actually brought us treat yourself bags <laughs> and these bags held candy, um, some spa items for me and like some unique a retro to- toys for yeah. Roberto. <laughs> candies. And it was just like, treat yourself, you know, take a nice shower with some this melon shampoo conditioner and like, here's a couple snacks. Yeah. And that just felt so good, you mm-hmm. know, like for that healing process. Yeah, it just introduced joy yeah. into a dark place. And I think that we're so sensitive as people and wanting to do good for other people that we overthink the things. We overanalyze, we over-question, we over-pray. We, we sit and wait back for, uh, you know, discernment. And a lot of times just showing up and just bringing joy into a dark place uh, can just shift the environment. 
And so mm. whenever friends show up and just be with us, um, it was good. Yeah. Sometimes the hardest question to answer when you're the person in need is let me know how I can help. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Versus somebody just showing up to help. Yeah. 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 And that's something that actually in recent, this recent season, that's actually in retrospect, you look back and it's like, you know, when my friend is going through something and he or she was vulnerable enough to invite me into that suffering by just letting me know, like, hey, I'm going through this. We tend to freeze up sometimes because we don't want to, we walk on eggshells because we don't want to say the wrong things. Um, mm. But we, 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 we cop out with that question. Let me know. Right. What yeah. I Let me know when you have time to meet up versus at 630 the next day, you just drive by their house so you can just see them face to face. Yeah. Or, or you're just throwing an idea out like, hey, let's go for a drive up the Rocky Mountains. Right. Like give them options that they can jump into. Yeah. Interesting. That's become a thing for us. That's good. That's really good advice. Mm. There's one other thing I would, I would share yeah. on that. That's important. Um, and so a lot of, there are a lot of cliche like, sayings when women experience loss through miscarriage um, that can be very hurtful. Um, more than being helpful. Um, and so one thing to just remember overall is like a miscarriage is still a loss, mm. right? And she's still a mother. And mm. so as if a woman would have lost a child that she's carried to deliver, to, to raise, it's very similar process of grief that she's going through. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The circumstances can be different in the journey of infertility and law, but the the weight of the grief is the same process. Right. And so, don't one, discredit that pain in that and, way. And she needs to process that grief and that loss, and she still has connection to that baby. And so, the idea of another baby, you know, or a promise being fulfilled, doesn't take away the grief mm-hmm. of that that child because she still lost that child mm-hmm. yeah we have really good friends of ours that have um lost a child and um i mean they have like four kids now i don't know four kids now and they lost um one of their children and they still say they have five kids one in heaven like their kids are like 12 now and they still say the same thing and it's just beautiful so Thank you for sharing that with Thank us. Thank you. You're probably like I didn't. Jeff didn't. Jeff and Under didn't tell us we're gonna have to we like, didn't go, prep go you. all the, into this with y'all. But <laughs> it, it was, you know, honestly, why why we asked because we were like doing some research on you guys before, and I had read um, just like bios that you had put in online, and I loved how you had referred to your children, and I was like, you know what, I think I think this is a special story for for these two people, and. Um, anyway, so you're going to have to ask the next question because I'm still uh, incapacitated <laughs> over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do think it's important to talk about it, and although it's uncomfortable for many people, I think it's that's where breakthrough happens by just getting into what we like to call as no empty words conversations. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's good. 
making each word count. This is a conversation that has no empty words yeah. for sure. And just, just to kind of shed light, um, you know, from a husband perspective, going mm. through that journey, it's like, we tend to be, Oh, macho man, I got to be strong for my wife. I, you know, when, when we went to that first miscarriage, I, um, I leaned, I tried to just leverage scientific and biology and go back to research and say, Oh, okay. One in four women actually have a miscarriage, honey. So it's, it's, it happens, right? I'm trying to like soothe her. Like make sense with, of the situation. I'm trying to make sense, logical sense of what's happening here. Um, and it wasn't to a point where we had already booked our flights to tell our mothers who've been waiting for like 17 years for us to have children. Um, <laughs> like, and we had it all situated, right? We had the news. We were pregnant. We were going to go to Philly. And Mother's Day, we were going to break the news to them. So we had we miscarried before Mother's Day, but the tickets were still booked. So what do we do? Do we go? Do we not go? How do we do this? How do we grieve with family? What was it look like that mess? And it wasn't until one night we, I was, we were in my in-laws place and Charlene was in the, on the couch and it was dark room. And I, I came in to check on her and we sat there and just like in silence, right? It's like we're bombarded with like love from family. But then when we get together, it's like, how are you actually feeling? Uh, how do we check up on each other in the midst of a, the valley, in the midst of the storm? And she, she, I, I knew something was off, right? You, you know your wife, and you know when stuff, you know something that we've adopted is like when you feel like something's off, it typically is. Mm-hmm. Like when you feel like something's off, it typically is. And that night, I felt like something was off. And I mean that, and I and I went there, and I was at you know saying, you know, hey, what's what's going on? And she was just carrying the question, like, like, is, like, why don't I see you being emotional? Like, why don't I see you, hmm. like, going through the same process as I'm doing this? Like, does, does this even matter? Like, what is this? Like, how are you getting through this? And for me, I thought that my strength was in being strong, but really my strength for her was in being weak. Hmm. And it was really interesting, like, me being vulnerable with her and letting her know how I was processing it yeah. really gave her a relief because it then invited me into her grief and right. vice versa. She, and she needed felt like she somebody wasn't. to grieve with. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So if I had to, you know, if, you know, whatever guys are going through to support your wife is just mourn with her, grieve with her and show your vulnerability um, to her as well. Because that could be a source of strength for her. Mm. Well, I want to go back to um, grit and virtue for a second. You guys have a segment on your site called, uh, make sure I get it right, Marriage and Mission. So y'all have been thinking a little bit about this. It seems like a tension yeah. for your community. I'm curious, as you guys decided to kind of dig into that, if people, um, it, it's, it's so many parallels into what we talk about on the podcast Um but if you guys were, I, I want to hear what, why you started that column and what you hope to do with the kind of the, the information you're sharing through that piece of, of your site. Yeah, the genesis of that came from, okay, now we're in a season where we're married and we're working on the same venture. And we were encountering all kinds of, you know, challenges, but also wins. Um, and so we wanted to like 
talk more about what those are. Mm. And it's interesting because there was a couple articles that Roberto wrote underneath that column that resonated so much with women. Um, and they just wanted more information about what does it look like? What is it um, to have from a man's, a man's perspective um, with supporting his wife and vice versa? Um, and then Roberto, he really began to like dive deeper into um, the, narr- the narrative of husbands and wives like working together mm-hmm. and like how does the radical oneness. And so he has a whole like he could share, uh, perspective on radical oneness. You know, we have oneness in marriage, but when you can actually work together for a season uh, with your wife, what does that actually look like? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm glad you brought that up because we've been ever since we started working together, we're like, you know, we're not alone in this. There's other, and I, that's why I love so much what you guys are doing, the work you're doing, and, and bringing language to that and exposure to that. Like, we are not alone in this. There's other couples that are working both marriage and mission, and they go in seasons, and some seasons are heavier than others. And But there's a lot of beauty in that. And so us experiencing that and having the privilege to do that um, for however long the season is, it's not something we take for granted. And we're like, okay, what does this look like that we have the privilege to not only live together in marriage, but also in mission. And it's sort of like, we don't know where that column is going, but we knew that it had to be a space for conversations, yeah. right? Mm. Part of us, I mean, we're dreamers and we're, and that's part of like a flaw in us as well. It's like, we, 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 too much vision, too many ideas, too many dreams, too many things that I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what, but too many. I don't know. Oh, Lord have mercy. (laughs) So maybe, you know, we'll just write your coattails. Because if you guys, like, if you guys, like, here's one. Like, we we saw something where we're like, you know, we need to get together a retreat where couples that are in marriage and mission get together. And they get to not only be around other people and learn from each other, but they get to fill up their tanks mm-hmm. and then come back and go work together again. But it's like going to commune with other people that are in a similar world and then be able to retract back and know that you're not alone in it, learn from things that are happening, but also an experience that can just fill us up going back to, to the mission field. So. So when you guys start that retreat, we'll be the first. Yes. To I was just going to say, so when do we get to go? Because I no, 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 no. that on you guys. Oh, <laughs> always throwing it on somebody oh, else. It's another idea, <laughs> just what I needed. All right, that's a good segue to our final question. The question we ask everyone. And you guys are, are living it. So I want our question for you is, is it possible for both of you to be living out your purpose and stay in love and raise a healthy family? We want to hear from both of you. What do you think? I mean, we're living it now. So I feel like it is possible. And it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. It's not glamorous as it sounds all the time. But there's those moments where it's just magic like the ability for you to do that together. Um, and as we embark on this journey of raising a baby girl, and hopefully 10 other kids. Um, <laughs> That's <laughs> maybe, a big number right there. 
I feel I feel that as long as we're prioritizing us, that our home would then be whole. Mm-hmm. As long as our marriage is whole, then our children could be whole, and that can ha- have an impact on on them and their future families. I think for us, one of the things that we've come to realize is that our marriages were fighting for. Growing up, it wasn't. We never had a good example of what a healthy marriage was. We were surrounded by broken homes and so on. So we were very intentional about making sure that us as a unit that we're, we're good. And our hypothesis is that as long as we stay good, that we'll be able to be good parents as well. Hmm. So for me, I'm a strong believer in saying yes. There's one part in the journey of Roberto deciding to quit his job to come support me at a higher capacity that he left out, or maybe I just didn't get a chance to share it, which was the first month after we launched Great Emerge You, me and my spiritual like guided way of making decisions, I prayed. I said, Lord, if this is a venture that you're calling me to, and I'm the CEO of this thing, it's my job to get the best people on the team. And I happen to know a guy. <laughs> my husband. <laughs> like, it would be perfect. It would be great. Would be great team, and I prayed that prayer without him knowing that. Um, and for this to actually be um, how we're living, and this is to actually be reality for us, I'm like, yes, it is possible to stay in love, to work together, to raise a family. We'll learn more about the family part when she comes. Yes, <laughs> yes, know? we should do a check in in like a couple yes. years here. <laughs> you know, yeah. six six months in when you're just. Completely exhausted. But let's not do the check-in at that point. But yes, yes. Okay. I'm working on my identity now. Like I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and I'm a boss lady. All three. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like it. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. I really, we really appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your story. I know there's going to be a lot of people that are encouraged by by just the vulnerability that you shared. And um, I know there's many listeners that are kind of wrestling through those hard seasons. And so thank you for being willing to share that with our community. I appreciate it. And now it's time for the breakdown. They're so lovely. Yes, that was so encouraging. I cried a lot. You really did. And I Matt had to hand me tissues. I'll tell you, sometimes when people cry on the podcast, I don't know what to do. Cause we're like we're talking to them and it's personal and we're yet we're over the internet together in the moment. And it's so beautiful and powerful. And I'm like, I don't know, I literally don't know what to do because it's like kind of interesting. It's it's interesting. I do like how we got to get them to kind of talk about um, what they needed in their grieving. I think that's really practical and really good for other people um, to help their friends and help their people in their community who might be struggling. And I mean, basically she was like, you need to show up and shut up, up. show up and shut up. That's key. Mm -hmm. Stop talking. Just be there. And I love the treat yourself bags idea. I love just like coming into it with no, like nothing that the other person has to do or answer that question. Yes. That we shouldn't. Yeah. Let me know how to help. That's not, that doesn't help. Yeah. And I, yeah, I mean, he was saying like, Hey, 
plan something and invite them to come along. Right. Like don't make them be making the decisions. Make a decision. Yeah, all that. Like just reintroduce joy mm-hmm. in the midst of darkness and in a dark time and and presence. And presence. Yeah. Yeah. I loved. I mean, the story of a shift in season. He's at Google. He's killing it in Silicon Valley, and he starts thinking, "Well, my season of priority is done." And what would it look like to support her and her season of purpose? He's got some balls right there. I like it. Yeah, I think it's it's humble and also courageous equally, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what a great example for so many people in our community. That's what a true partnership is, isn't it? I mean, I think anybody listening with your own partner, I think that's a really great question to ask. Like, what would it look like for me to support you right now? Um, and I think we should be asking that of each other regardless. Yeah, whether continuously. It's, you know, me to you, you to me, um, especially in times of stress and tension too. So. Yeah, so if you've never seen their site, it's gritandvirtue.com, or you can follow them on Instagram. They have a great a great feed on Instagram, at gritandvirtue. Beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. Oh it's funny you say that, because he does the design. I thought to myself, I've always been kind of attracted to this women's brand. <laughs> it's because it's a man behind it doing it. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. No, it's Because not. women can't do it. No, it's because it's gender neutral, which is interesting. I it think is. It, I think it's a, uh, they have curated a beautiful feed. It is. It is wonderful. Speaking of feeds, hey, we have a feed on Instagram. Check us out at Love or Work. <laughs> Look at that shameless plug you put in there. I love it. It but- is a shameless plug because we want to interact with our listeners. See, let me tell you this. We love that people listen to us, but we want to know who you are. And it's hard to know if you're just in a vacuum in your car listening to us and we don't even know how it's impacting you. Let me tell you, we, I was on Tuesday night. I was at this thing in Atlanta in the West End and this couple came up to me and they were like, oh, we listen to every episode. I was like, really? And they're like, yeah, we feel like we know you. And it's like, well, I don't know you. <laughs> Thank- well, first of all, th- I'm so glad they introduced themselves because they were the sweetest couple, awesome couple, newlyweds. They've been married for like seven months. And it was so fun for me to meet someone that listens to this thing. It is so fun to meet people. Yeah, yes. so reach out to us. Well, all that to say, follow us on Instagram. Give Maybe it, send leave us a, little a couple message. comments, yeah. direct message us. We'd love it. We'd love to meet you. Yes. And that's another episode of Love or Work. We will see you again. Actually, we won't see you. We will see you if you follow us on Instagram or <laughs> we, hopefully you'll hear from us next week and we'll see you soon. This episode was produced by DJ Obdiggy for Soul Graffiti Productions.